Welcome to the 9642 Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9. And this is The Fool. Your 96 best place to listen to... For 10 years. Yes. Yes. Um, for our 10th season of our mostly up-to-date... And unqualified. And unrequested. Ramblings of the various issues in the world of sport. Or something like that. Hello, everyone. Um... Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Yeah. Uh, we are into 2024 um, as of recording. It's the 5th of January, so yeah. the first Friday of the year. Yeah, um, I know. It's, it's a little bit crazy to think about, really, that we're in 2024. But Yeah, almost to the mid-2020s. And yeah, I feel yeah. like just yesterday I was hearing about... The, I was at, like, in Bangladesh at a New Year's party... F- to welcome the 2020s and we were trying to figure out what sort of like uh speakeasy music and swing music we'd be listening to and all that (laughs) we welcomed the 2020s with a party and yeah yeah (laughs) let's just leave it at that (laughs) yeah i i think i i agree with you yeah new year's eve 2019 new year's day 2020 it was a it was a much more naive time it was I remember when we thought the biggest disaster of the year was going to be. We were decide. We were questioning whether it was going to be the bushfires in Australia or the murder hornets. Yeah. <laughs> um, Just remember back oh, when those were the big hornets. <laughs> those were the big problems back yeah. at the time. Those days. But yeah, let's go to our bread and circuses podcast. <laughs> we're going to talk about. The sporting year 2023. We've had a bunch of highlights, but let's go to personal favorites. Your favorite moment of 2023, sports-wise. Sports-wise, I think I'm just gonna go with you know it's it's personal, but the FIFA uh, Women's World Cup here in New Zealand, Australia. Went to a few of the games. Um, it was I think watched just about as much as I possibly could. Um, but definitely sporting highlight was being in the crowd and um, watching Hannah Wilkinson score the New Zealand's opening goal in that, or goal in that opening fixture. Yeah. It was just amazing. It was great to be there. Um, just, yeah, amazing. Really, that's the only yeah. word And they just... were, and obviously the White Fern, uh, the White Ferns, first ever time that a New Zealand football team has won at a World Cup. So incredible. Yeah. That was my highlight. Yeah, yeah. We, it was an incredibly nervous game, but we got through. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, it's a bit disappointing they couldn't make it past the first round. No, but it's a, yeah, it's just how that went. I think it's sort of one of those things. You do a good performance, and the next game out, it just you know against the Philippines, they just weren't weren't there. Maybe they're mentally thinking the next game or whatever. Uh, mm. Yeah, they just couldn't couldn't live up to that yeah. that previous performance which was and sad, it wasn't an, yeah it was also a really great performance by the filipino team um oh, yeah. was their debut in the world cup as well so it's a great moment for them so you can't you can't hold that against them that was a, a great performance yeah uh, it was a great match all round to be fair and yeah. we had a great and there's great tournament and what a final yeah we had oh it was amazing the final um yeah it's just I mean, the whole tournament was just full of great bits. Um, watched it with my kids. They were 
very invested in the entire thing. Um, we, you know, we're there supporting the football ferns through their group phases. Then we're on the Japan bandwagon because they were going great. And then we're on the Spain bandwagon, and that one we rode to the end. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a while to find the right bandwagon. I understand. Oh, you got Definitely relatable. Yeah, it's just the, the, the progression is as the teams get knocked out. You've got to then have a new one to 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 follow along. Of course. Uh, far be it from me to c- complain about people joining bandwagons <laughs> on sports teams. Uh, but yeah, I definitely agree with you. That was definitely highlights for me. Um, what's your low light? Uh, oh. I know I hadn't really put a lot of thought into low lights. <laughs> I think I, I have a theme in my head, um, but I'm going to let you speak first. Alright. Um, I guess the low light, which didn't turn out being a, a problematic uh, one, but it was just the right at the beginning of the year, Kane Williamson, I, well, nearest the beginning, Kane Williamson in the um, IPL, you know, ruining his, his, his knee and just. The thought of yep. that's it. That's that's the World Cup for New Zealand. We're not even, you know, yeah, got to struggle without, yeah, yep. got to really struggle without Williamson. I mean, we can have a good team and all the rest, but thinking of going to India, World Cup, you know, facing, you know, some red hot teams without Williamson, just really just, you know, it was just, it's over, it's done. Yeah, um, I mean it. it it worked out wellish in the end. We still lost the semi-final, but Williamson was there and, and put in. And that. he played some clutch innings. And so, yeah, and it really he's shows... still the king as far as I'm concerned. Oh, 100%. It just shows his dedication and his um, desire to get back that he, he clearly just was like, this is the training plan, this is the recovery plan. We're sticking to it yep. 100% because there's no other way, which is just very Kane Williamson. But yeah, just that, that moment of watching that, that game and seeing that happen and just being like, Oh, that's that's it. We're done. Just that feeling. Yeah. I think my low light, and it's going to be a theme because it's happened in multiple sports, and it's just happened in crucial moments. Umpiring, refing, officiating mm. in really, really important games. I mean, the World Cup final, especially because it had been such an amazing tournament leading up to it. Um, there was some refing controversies leading up to that final, but there's nothing to make us think it was going to be that sort of spectacle. Like, as I mentioned, I'm just a casual rugby fan. I don't follow it all the time. I take a look at it when the Tri Nations are on. I don't. I don't really follow a Super Rugby team yeah, either. Yeah. Like, sure, I'm a Blues fan, but that's about it. Like, you know, I don't like actively uh, follow it. Um, and given how seamless rugby league seemed to be, I was shocked at how bad rugby was. Because um, I hadn't watched, lo- you know, I'm a casual rugby league fan as well. And there's yeah, yeah. times when rugby league had really bad problems with refing, and they seem to have ironed out a lot of problems. Um, and like very on the last, as if to kick it into my head, the very last day of the year. Technically, it was on the first of Jan for us, but it was still on the 31st in America. The uh, in the NFL, 
the Detroit Lions did this amazing play where they actually fooled the Dallas Cowboys into thinking a certain player was going to be eligible. And then, because in NFL, for our fans, mostly who don't follow North American sports that much, if if you're a member of the O-line, so one of the front people protecting the quarterback, you have to declare to, your, the, uh, to the referee before the snap that you're eligible to receive. You're going to... Yeah, in and yeah. he's going to go tell the other team number this person is going to be eligible and the player declared and we have camera we have cameras showing that he's there declaring nobody's saying nobody else is declaring and he went and declared another player and when the Lions scored a touchdown he called them back and remade them replay <sighs> and then this is the worst thing about it because NFL coaches before games showed the ref, uh, the um, uh, the referees, all the trick plays they have and how it's going to run. They actually put a board and they show it like this is number this is going to go, number yeah. that is going to go, and so the fact that because uh, the referee after the game said that it they didn't declare, and then when they showed it was declared, he goes, ah, oh, I that wasn't a play told to me, and the coach obviously going, hey, no, I totally did, and it's not believable that a coach wouldn't do it because that's basically procedure in the NFL. Right, so yeah. there's, there's, it's bad enough you make a call. At least in the Rugby World Cup, I think there was an admission of bad refing by people, and there's like a, there's like some admission of we need to look at this better. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like in the NFL, they're just like, nope, we did nothing I, wrong, and it's BS because everybody knows that you <laughs> stuffed up. Yeah, I understand where you're going with that one. That it's yeah, and at least rugby and sort of does that, but. It's not like you believe the IRB that they're going to really put any thought into it. It's, yeah, but it even even a my bad, uh, even a mea culpa is the bare minimum, right? Yeah. Like the, uh, the referee, to his credit, in that game, in the game, said that oh, that was a bad call, my bad, what, to yeah. the All Blacks, and he made a call. And that's I can respect that from a, re- a referee. Yeah. We don't expect them to be robots. They're humans. They make mistakes, and he did it at in the moment i don't know if i would have done that in the moment myself so i can like i said i I can respect that uh what he had done but but then uh but after the um uh after the incident had had after that incident uh the, the game seemed to take a weird turn because it was just like there's so much like Miss, uh, there's just this weird thing where it's difficult for a casual fan in rugby to tell how the what's happening mm. because think, like yeah. you can't tell what's being overall like there's a lot wrong with VAR and you and I talk about it all the time yeah the uh, we can't say that there is any confusion around who makes the final call in in a football game soccer football game yeah Exactly. Like it's it's fairly clear there, and I think that's the biggest problem with with rugby union because rugby league's done yeah. that as well now. That's that was the criticism for them as well, which makes the whole rugby union thing hurt that much more. That league went through this whole issue of ah, but the bunker, you know, the video refs making the calls, and it should be like being like no, they've sorted out the the procedure and and everything so that's very clear about how everything works and that the the video ref's just there to support the ref and be like ah hey i think this needs 
re-examining or whatever like there or the ref calls and says hey i think something happened here i'm not sure this is what i thought happened but can you check it for me yeah. just see if i'm right or not i'm not sure myself so which is a very good way of doing yeah. it because that's very much the ref going you know he's saying we we accept the refs are human that's that's what they are exactly um, but part of that has been able to go I, I don't know what happened here. Like, I think this is yeah. what happened, but I'm not very sure. It all happened a bit fast. I was in slightly the wrong place. And, you know, especially in rugby, especially rugby union, rugby league as well, but there's people's bodies all over the place. Like in yes. union more so because you have rucks and malls and everywhere. And you're like, yes, yes. You're like, I can't see what's happening. There's like 16 people could be, if it's a scrum thing, you know, push over try and, on a scrum that's a lot of people just in or around your vision like <laughs> let's go to the video yeah, ref. that's what he's like, there for and referees and players in rugby union have a good relationship yeah so a, a referee owning up or going like this is the best as i saw it so i have to call it that way players in rugby union go okay yeah like if that is i respectfully disagree but let's move on like that yeah. is how rugby union players deal with referees you have yeah. an adult conversation and that's it yeah like it's not the job of the players are like it's not my job to officiate the game i can say i disagree but at the end of the day the officials make the call you know exactly. and like you know the officials go yeah reckon they're disappointed but i've made my explanation and yeah. that's fine you know i think that's so the that works as well like having an explanation this is what i saw this is how i interpreted the rules this thing as and as long as that becomes the consistent ruling then the players are pretty like yeah that's how you see it that's how you're ruling it that's fine i think they can be a little bit um upsetness if that then doesn't apply consistently throughout the the game and i think one thing rugby yeah. union refs generally do very well is apply their interpretation yes. of the rule consistently throughout the game and i think like i've yeah. seen a few nfl ones as well where that sort of comes up and I think that's the problem with NFL is that they group around themselves too much when like we're right that then they stop being consistent and they just be we're always right so then you get problems where the rule just becomes immaterial about what was happening because the ref just needs to be right as opposed to rugby union where they are but like look it's a little hazy this might be this is my this is what I thought happened so that's why I'm ruling it so if I'm wrong hey I'm wrong sure. But it's the ruling right now. So yeah. You say, so the whole refs are a human. It helps when they try and act like they're human as well, which is, we may have made a mistake. It's, it is what it is. We're, we're playing on with that. That ruling has been made. It's in the past. Let it go. Yeah. We moved on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the issue here so that would be my low light look we've had a long podcast yes. about officiating already so let's not go further i think those are fair enough but i've yep. made a list of really what i think might be pivotal and important moments in mm -hmm. the world of sport that's happened this year and then i suddenly remembered another one then i put 11 so we have a top 11 <laughs> um so obviously the olympics are this year 2024 in paris yeah. last year they have announced new sports that are going to be in the um in the uh olympics in la in 2028 the uh one of them being cricket mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be squash 
flag football and lacrosse. Ooh. I think uh, lots of American sports shows very excited about flag football and lacrosse. They think that's like two new medal, you know, at least a medal for the Team USA in, uh, in lacrosse. And they definitely expect to win flag football, though I do think the Canadians will give them a run for their money. Squash. This is where I go. Can Dame Susie come out of retirement? Hey, I'm where sure she's still got it. She's still got it. We've actually got good um, squash players at the moment. Um, yes. Who's it? But the... yeah, you, we want to maximize our chances, right? Yeah. <laughs> and as for cricket, we all know it'll. Uh, we all know it'll probably not be India, unfortunately, for them, <laughs> as their duck in major tournaments continue. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll have broken it by then. Back, go back to your sky blue uniforms, lads. Go. That's what I reckon is going to happen. But uh, it's great to see the Olympics actually do a bunch of new sports and get some excitement back in. Um, I am quietly excited about the Olympics this year. It's not like when I was younger, where I think the Olympics were really a big deal. Like we would be counting down from nowish almost. Yeah. To it happening. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I, I would imagine it starts might start i mean yeah. school's still like we're at the beginning of the year so we don't have schools in yet so like once school's back in we've got this is in uh when july sorry end yeah. of july so i mean there's going to be probably good two that's two full terms in a bit of, of yeah school time and at least a whole chunk of the second term probably will be have some amount dedicated over to it because it's something that's happening yeah. but i think I, you are right like it it doesn't feel like it's as central as it was in the past. Like, you would, your whole term would basically yes. just be like Olympics, 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 this, this, this. Uh, it's it's just that it's, ever since Usain Bolt retired, we're just not excited about the Olympics anymore. Let's be honest here. Uh, it is sort of the way we, were it is. we were all counting down to the 100 meters finals to see what Usain was going to do. Yeah. <laughs> That that's actually very true. I mean, sure, Michael Phelps as well back in the day, and uh, you've got great dominant athletes in other sports, Simone Biles and gymnastics. All of that is true, but you know, Usain Bolt is Usain Bolt to me, always, forever, the greatest Olympian that I've ever seen. No, he was. I mean. Like just come on, when he was slowing down to the at the end to smile at the cameras and still broke the world record. I know that's just just that that memory is just insane to think about. Like none of us will ever forget it. No, <laughs> I still laugh yeah, just but, thinking about it. It's just like could have just yeah. broken it more. He's like, no, I don't need to. <laughs> Showboat. Yeah, I mean, it was more important to showboat than to break it better, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm breaking anyway. Your record's obviously going to be broken at some point. You know, yeah, records are meant to be broken, so... Exactly. But, you know, nobody's going to forget the showboating. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was, like, one of my first highlights. Second highlight, um, purely because I think this guy is Athlete of the Year. Not, uh... Uh, Djokovic, once again, three majors. Yeah. Obviously, he had like an epic Wimbledon final uh, against Carlos. Uh, couldn't win. Unfortunately, couldn't win to get the calendar Grand Slam. But 2024, he has a rare opportunity to win a Golden Slam. 
Only other player to have done that is Steffi Graf in 1988, where she won all four Grand Slams and an Olympic gold medal. All right. Um, yeah. In the same year. Yeah. The only uh, uh, the only tennis player to have done that. So if uh, 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 if Djokovic or Nadal or uh, Carlos, one of them, anyone can win a Grand Slam. It's just hard to see anyone beat Djokovic right <laughs> yeah. now. Yes. Um, yeah, it would be crazy yeah. for him to do it as well. Like it's just, yeah. I he's what a career. Uh, he's basically equaled Margaret Court's record for most number of Grand Slams. I can't imagine that he's not going to do it. Clearly, he will. Um, and you know, deservedly, because he played in a, such a strong era of men's tennis, so many good players, and possibly two other greatest players of all time played against him. Yeah. And he like outlasted them and got uh, uh, and managed to beat them when they were still at their peak, both of them. Yeah. I know that was yeah. I remember people complaining about that era of tennis. It's like, oh, it just doesn't matter. It's going to be one of the top three that win everything, and nobody else does. It's like. Yeah, that that's awesome. Because there's three of them that are battling it out at the peak of their powers, just like yes. Yeah. I mean, maybe Federer was maybe just at the end of the peak, you know. But then Federer continued he on. Had, he still had plenty of the yeah. tank. He'd just been and he still kept winning before. Grand Slams. And look, yeah. we don't like we don't necessarily just like Roger Federer because he won a lot. Like Roger Federer brought us joy. When we watched yeah. him on the tennis court, and he never failed to bring us joy. Like he exactly. would just always, like you know, like he loved playing tennis. He loved making people go, "Wow, what a what a shot!" Like you know, that's what he lived for, and we we could tell. Yeah, exactly. No, it was yeah. I always loved watching Roger Federer. Um, yeah. yeah, probably the best tennis was probably Federer maybe my. We're at their peaks, so yeah. Yeah, I think maybe Roger Federer is my favorite athlete to watch of all time. Like, yeah, you know, by watching him at his peak. Yeah, yeah. I can't, like, can't be remember being more mesmerized watching a single athlete. But I love all three of the big three: Nadal, Federer, Djokovic. Just uh, something about a sportsman who just sort of thrives on sheer willpower like Novak Djokovic yeah. like I just love those sort of players those sort of uh, sportsmen as well yeah no, so no, no I can exactly. and that 2019 Wimbledon final that was going on at the same time as the uh, the Cricket World Cup final between England and the Black Caps yeah like that was like one of my saddest day sporting days but i was like enthralled i was literally like watching tennis on my phone while watching cricket on the tv because i couldn't keep my eye off either match they were both incredible yeah yeah that was just incredible times yeah but yeah uh, novak Djokovic deserves all the flowers and like yeah i look forward to seeing what he's gonna do in 2024 yeah exactly um as you say history may beckon and if one of them is yes. going to do it, you'd be putting your money on Djokovic. Yep. Well, I'm not betting against him. No. Exactly. And now, except we kind of already alluded to this, uh, the Women's World Cup, full mm. of highlights, full of great yeah. moments, um, great performances. We've done a Women's World Cup podcast and gone through it, but it yeah. was 
Just the sheer uh, look. It's always a special time when there's a World Cup in New Zealand and you're here. Like yeah, yeah. I can't remember. And the country just changes and everybody's into it. And it's like this one. The mood is so good. Yeah. Like everyone I know was suddenly an expert in women's football, which I gotta <laughs> love. Yeah, um, yeah. I did did like that as well because. You know, as it led up to it, it did seem a little bit of a slow burn and it was a bit worrying, you know. I know there was a bit of worry around that, oh, you know, New Zealanders aren't really getting into it. Oh, but I think that's a little bit of how we are sometimes. Like, everybody was like, yep, yeah, it's going to be here, it's going to be awesome, but sort of just waiting yeah. for it to come. And once it came, like, that opening game was crazy, it was awesome, and then from there on it just kicked up another notch and just became... yeah. This magical time, really, you say. Everybody was a was an expert in women's football, no matter how little they may have watched beforehand. But yeah, yep. it was just an amazing time. And I say, my kids, they just went head over heels for it. They they yeah. had posters up. They were in yeah, depth. You know how much I respect my kids' knowledge on yeah. football. Oh, yeah. Both of them. Both of them. Like they had very expert opinions on every match and every player and like they just watched as much as they could which was awesome their analytics afterwards is just on point it was just awesome great great so are you saying our podcast is in good hands when we retire yeah yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) keeping up with our world cup theme the next one was the rugby world cup we've also already alluded to this um, obviously, the finals was a low light, but so many great moments. Portugal winning their first game, the Fijian team playing incredibly well. Yeah. A low point for the Wallabies not making it through the first round, but we did predict that. Yeah, we did. Um, we we uh, that, I think I think we predicted England not making it either, but they they proved us wrong. Hey, they proved us wrong. Um, but that quarterfinal between France and South Africa, what a game. What a game. Well, I mean, there was two, right? It was France, South Africa, and New Zealand, Ireland. That were just yes, amazing quarterfinals. They both, or both of them probably should have been finals almost. Maybe at least semi-finals, given the, the um, quality of them and the excitement. You say, South Africa coming back and, and winning by one point basically three knockout games in a row it's just crazy yeah, yeah absolutely and just yeah their games were were amazing and yeah as were the new zealand games but yeah i mean it was an amazing tournament it it they really showed where rugby's at uh, both in a positive frame and a negative frame uh, yeah as we exactly. alluded to in the very lengthy um putting low lights but from a positive point, I thought the, the, the standard of play was excellent. You say, um, Portugal winning a game. Like, I think most of the so-called, you know, minnows actually played reasonably well um, and showed that things aren't too far off. Um, yes. You know, and how short-sighted the Northern Hemisphere teams were for not doing the IRB plan yeah. of a 10-team league. Yeah. See, they've agreed to it now, so you know they got their opinion. Yes, or maybe a yes. slightly modified version, but still, we'll, we'll get it. So that's all fine. We'll get it. That's yeah, pr- yeah fair, pretty much. And finally, we had three cricket 
World Cups this year, or World Cup finals, the T20 World Cup won by Australia. No surprises there. The ladies in green and gold have been dominant for a long time. Um, the uh, Test World Championship won by Australia against India in a game which I would call was an upset because India were favourites. And once yeah. again, India were the best team in yeah. the league stage of our uh, World Test Championships. And of course, the ultimate low light for the Indian cricket team, <laughs> losing the final to Australia after being unbeaten in the ODI World Cup. I will point out my highlight performance for the year has to be Glenn, uh, Glenn Maxwell's match against Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't stop thinking about it. It's basically, watching it live is incredible to think about. Like, we were just like, is this really, ha I was just like, this is really happening? It is really happening. How is this happening? It's got to stop. And it didn't. And he won. Like, and he hit a six to win. Like, so appropriate. <laughs> I, it's, the, it's probably the greatest one-day international innings ever played. I know, it's... it's... At least it belongs in the club pantheon of greatest uh, international innings. I think there's uh, people say there were uh, uh, the there was the, the great ma uh, 189 by Viv Richards against England uh, when the West Indies were 60 for eight and he took them to 300 yeah. and 20. Um, but obviously that was batting first. Kapil Dev's 170. Um, 176 uh, against uh, Zimbabwe when they were 60 for six. Ooh, um, yeah. Look, uh, when he came into bat, yeah. uh, Tom Bridgewell, which unfortunately there is no footage of that knock because he uh, was a he because they just didn't film it because back then they played multiple games at the same time at World Cup. That was just a thing yeah. that happened sometimes. And obviously now this belongs up right up there. It's oh, one of those great international knocks. You, if you find it difficult to separate those three, can't blame you, mate. No. <laughs> They're all incredible. They are all incredible, yes. And yeah, it's just still mind-boggling to think about at all. Yes. You say. Just the fact that you're basically on one leg, um, just the shambles that they're at and just... Going, meh, I can still win this. And then doing it. Yeah. And now, uh, the oh, Nick. Sorry, sorry, before we continue on, the other thing also, I think Australia have a, an opportunity this year, right? With the T20 World Cup, the 20th in the last two years. Um, that if they win that, they'll be holding basically all the. Um, they will have the triple crown. All crown, three yeah. formats world champions. Yeah. I know it's not officially called the triple crown, but I'm calling it the triple crown because what else are you going to call it? Sure, if they also win the champions trophy this year, I think that's oh, yeah. going to be held. They'll be oh, yes. holding the Grand Slam. The Grand Slam. Uh, and when was the Women's World so, Cup? ODI, that was... Are they holders of that? That was, well? that was that in was New Zealand last yeah. year. I can't remember, did they win that one, or was that one of the others? Who I believe they won that one as well, won that because... As well. So they got the... They'll have just about everything. They win the Champions Trophy There's and not... The T21. There won't be a Cricket World Cup... World Cricket 
ICC trophy that they don't have. That doesn't think. belong to Australia. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. All Talk right, about. come on. Somebody has to not let make sure they don't win exactly. the World Cup this year in West Indies. And um, though I do believe there might be another T20 World Cup for the women Nick this year, I'm not <laughs> sure. There's just so many T20 <laughs> World Cups. I don't, I, I don't know either. Um, uh, now, uh, moving on from the cricket, uh, despite Australia winning lots of stuff, definitely enjoyed it. Um, lots, uh, uh, lots of great performances from Black Caps and other teams. Uh, the re something that I think is really, really interesting happening in American sport, like we have seen the fissures, like I mentioned it in our last year, year or the year before's year in review, where the Supreme Court basically told college football, you can't tell pe tell us that the reason why you shouldn't be allowed to pay people is you're the only business that's not allowed to pay people. And that's just, you know, that's that's not a valid excuse. <laughs> um, I, I think I quoted Justice Brett Kavanaugh's, like, uh, speech uh, at, when, they, when he was revealing their, their ruling uh, uh, ad verbatim. Uh, the... Um, the uh, college sports landscape has changed dramatically. So before the NIL, which is names, image, and likeness uh, rules came in uh, uh, post NIL era, everything's changed. The uh, there was basically five conferences in college football that were the, considered the big Power Five conferences. Um, all you really need to know here is there were four conferences that thought they were good, and there was the SEC who were always good, and just uh, and had the best schools. Yeah. The SEC, which is the Southeastern Conference, they have teams you've probably heard of when you're thinking about college <laughs> football or college basketball, like uh, Alabama, Louis, Louis, uh, Louisiana, Le, Louisville. Uh, Georgia, all these uh, Clemson, all these great teams, and then like there, obviously you've probably you've probably heard of the great West Coast teams like UCLA or USC. They played in a conference called the Pac-12, which is technically still the winningest conference, and they had the most. Uh, uh, and they had been around. They have been around the longest. There was the big, uh, Big Ten. And there was the ACC, the Atlantic Conference, and the uh, the uh, Big Twelve, right. which was basically a mid. Basically, the Big Ten is like an East Coast Northwestern Conference, and the Big Twelve is like a South, uh, Southwest Middle Middle America flyover country conference. So basically, you it kind of worked because we had an Atlantic, South Atlantic conference, a North Atlantic, Midwest conference. We had a Southeast area conference. We had one for places like Texas and all these other small parts, you know, small town areas of America, yeah. which you literally fly over and you've had the Pacific coast. Yeah. It kind of worked out. Um, that all changed the beginning of the this year. Uh, UCLA and USC, arguably two of the biggest brands in the Pac-12. Well, they are the biggest brands in the Pac-12 and probably the two biggest brands in college sport after Notre Dame. Moved, to, got, made a deal with the Big Ten to start playing for them in uh, in 2024. 
And that's when basically everybody went after the Pac-12's carcass <laughs> and started making taking teams off them. So the 2020 uh, next this year is going to be the this is the uh, 2023 is literally the last year that the Pac-12 is going to probably exist. They are either going to merge with a smaller conference in, it, in its current form, that is. They're either going to merge with a smaller conference because USC and UCLA left, and the two next two biggest teams, which is Oregon and Washington State, also left. So they're, you know, they only had like eight teams and four of them left. <laughs> and the two other California teams were like, okay, we're going to join the Atlantic Conference, you know, all the way on the others, because that makes sense, right? Yeah. You're on the Pacific Coast, you're going to join the Atlantic Conference, that's what they did. That makes sense. And this has basically changed everything about the college structure. Like, pretty much everybody's predicting they're going to end up with a Super League, where they'll just have one mega conference and yeah. there'll probably be some sort of relegation promotion which i'm like really <laughs> you're gonna end up with something better in the end but there's obviously teething issues and whatnot happening now yeah, yeah as things change and everybody is out for blood and there's heaps of money to be made and you know you actually have to pay or at least your sponsors have to pay athletes now so they're all the best athletes are going to go to the colleges where they can get the most exposure to earn as much money start earning as much money as possible because there are obviously going to be athletes in the world who are going to peak between the ages of 18 and 22 and kind of peter out after that we're, we're all familiar with athletes like that they're they develop early they're very physical and then that physicality helps them and unless they learn to adapt their game and learn new skills all that stuff they kind of peter out after yeah. you know being everybody else catches up to them and they're also big and yeah, there's like exactly. big people who have skills that yeah. you're going up against they're not just big or not just fast or not just strong yeah yeah sort of thing that happens right yeah all that have a, a big advantage young so that they can yeah. lean on that crutch as they eventually everybody else that doesn't matter as much anymore they stop being the big fish in the little pond and Finally, the pond gets big enough, and that's yeah, that's sort of where it is. But you know, but but you know, if you can make a couple of million dollars in that time, why not? Yeah. Well, exactly. Why should a college make all that money off your back and you earn nothing out of it? Well, yeah, a hundred percent. I'm behind that. Like, clearly, there needs to be some um, compensation paid to the college athletes because yeah, the people were making a lot of money off them, and. It wasn't the athletes themselves, which just yes. feels wrong. Yeah. So, but there's more to come. It's going to have a huge impact. Like, the whole college sports, sports structure is radically under-changing in America because the best basketball is already looking at itself going, why are the best athletes not coming from the United States? They're not coming through our college system. Yeah. They're just praying. A lot of them are just coming from pro leagues in Europe. And part of that is because, you know, you have young players like Luka Doncic or Wemby, who was number one overall pick this year, to uh, Victor Wembyama, who, you know, they're playing with gr against grown men since the age of 16. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by the time they're 21, they're not afraid of you and they know what it's like to, you know, pay for their rent and, you know, be a professional athlete. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
and they've got the big you know they have game experience that is like you know where you're playing for your rent money like you don't get this you don't know what you're gonna do for a living yeah. versus like you know you're gonna lose a college game okay like sure it's a big deal not not saying it isn't but it's not life or death like it is when you're a pro athlete yeah yeah exactly like they're still gonna have everything going on for them they've still got their scholarship that you know they may not yeah get the after college stuff but not ever all of them get that anyway so um yeah that was always gonna be a hard thing to say different to when they oh. europe they're they're left to be pro um, sports people. That's what they're doing. This is what's paying the bills. If they can't succeed, you know. The so this is what gets to me because the American system is you go to college and you use college as your feeder system for professional sports. And in Europe, you use academies. Yeah, it's linked to a club. You're at the club since you're like eight years old. Like I'm just using like say Ryan Giggs as an example. He's been a Manchester United player. Here he started at the City Academy when he was eight years old, 10, he joined Manchester United's Academy and, you know, he's been there, to, he was there till, you know, at Manchester United till he was 41, 42. Uh, like, you know, he's had all his upbringing and learning how to, but the thing is, the, the flip side of that is everybody goes, ah, but they're there to get an education. But as it turns out, something like 80% of college athletes who come in, because you're not allowed to get a full scholarship by the rules. Right. Uh, through sports so they don't have they still have to pay for half their education and a lot of mm -hmm. people who don't pan out don't end up getting it so something like yeah. uh, something like only I think 30% of college athletes people on this college scholarship were graduating university right. whereas people going to academies who were at the academy at the age of still at there at the age of 16 almost all of them went to university in Europe alright <laughs> so yeah what's going on they end up with a uni degree if they don't end up becoming a football player or a basketball player yeah yeah you know, you're not going let's just say basketball football is their trade trade didn't work out for them they yeah. still go to uni because you know usually these academies pay to get them to the best schools give them really good educations as well to be like this is your fallback yeah 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 no definitely and also, they're like, you need to know this stuff to be a professional as well, by the yeah. way. Like, you can't exist in isolation. No, yeah, you need to know some of the stuff. That's why most of them do sports science or physiotherapy yeah, or something like sport. that. Because then it's like, you're actually learning. Or communications, if they want to yeah. be a media person. Like, there's many good degrees you can get into, and you can start studying for them if you while you're at the academy. So, yeah. it's this is the uh, thing. Uh the university, the college system isn't isn't meant to be an academy, isn't meant to be a sports factory. So it's fine that they don't necessarily produce athletes as well as an academy, because that's meant to be their only thing. But also, they don't produce as many university <laughs> students as the academy does, which is like... What they're meant to be doing. <laughs> which like, is what they're meant to be doing, which is the word, uh, which is the bad part. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, so, there's a lot broken. Uh, I'm glad that... The MLS, pretty much every team has now got their own academy. They're no longer really relying on the college system. College is literally for people who missed out on getting... The college draft thing is literally there for people who missed out on getting into an academy when they were like, you know, yeah, yeah. 
And that's fair because unlike in Europe, even in and the MLS, this is the bad thing. They make people pay to join their academies. What the heck is that all about? That is weird. I suppose like, because, yeah. what are you doing? The that's amount of money you will make out of even one really good player will more than make up for the 50 to 60 people that go through your academy if even none of them end up becoming a pro. Which is, Even if you're giving them the best high school education so they can get to the best colleges. And you know this has to be true because that's exactly the model all of Europe runs on. And none of them... Yeah. Like, they're just like, yes. no, we'll do some scouting. If you look promising, we'll invite you. We, like They invite people from halfway around the world and they move their entire family no over. Longer, no longer yeah. allowed to do that. I suppose no. But I mean, they still... Check out but people in your catchment right? area and catchment everyone, area. you know. Yeah. And then they will like scout people who they think are really, really good around the world and wait till they're 18 and bring them yeah. to like, their youth team or secretary. But this is the <laughs> model in Europe. I think it produces, like, not that this system doesn't have more, doesn't have problems as no. well for the athletes. Like, there yeah, is yeah. bad out, several, there's definitely lots of bad outcomes for people who don't make it through the system we're not even going to put aside the people who do end up becoming athletes having bad outcomes because that's yeah. sports that happens um, yeah so that, he, that is the sports uh, funnel right there is you can there's a wide and, and a wide catchment yes. at the top and lots of young people and that's the sort of sad thing is right, young people get put into that funnel but only a few come out the bottom and of those few that come out the bottom only a few of those go on to be actually successful at the, the career and there's lots of reasons why people fall out either side at any le level and the academies may not care too much about why that reason is they're just feeding people in at the top to so that the right number come out at the bottom that are going to um, bring them the mm. money for it but you know to then with the have a system yeah. where you're making people pay for that as well seems a bit crazy yeah, and even with the best of intentions, mm. I don't think any academy really takes care of the people who they have to let go at the age, like after the age of like 15, 16. Well, after they have to leave the academy, you know, yeah. because that's when it's really tough because you're there till you're 16 and you're still good enough. There's a good chance you're going to think you're going to make it. Yeah, yeah. And you made it all and the way through there. Like 14, if, you, if you're not there when you're 13, 14, it's disappointing, but at some point you'll be like, okay, I wasn't good enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I got there. I know that I wasn't good enough. I'm not dying wondering about that. Yeah, yeah. Got close, but it just didn't pan out for whatever the yeah. reasons are. Like, whatever reason. Yeah. And, like, you know, you're still young enough that that's something that you can learn to get over for yourself. But, you know, that if you're there at your 16, your parents probably think you're going to make it. You think you're going to make it. Your family, you know, your friends, friends think you're going to make family, it. Yeah, wider, the wider yeah. support network yes. has started the gearing up for that. And you're like, yeah, you're going to make it. You got this far. Your final bits and that final step hasn't yes. done it. Yeah. And then a lot of your life has been devoted to this and you've... Yes. Really focused in, and it's, yeah, he's saying this is a little it's bit a of the problem with the, to be in. Yeah. yeah, and it's a little bit of it's a problem with the academy structure, right? That is absolutely what the academy and is designed to do. 
is to yeah, and do that. It's brutal. I, I will 100% agree. Call it like Academy system is more brutal on the people participating than the college system of America. And yeah. maybe that's what the, the real upside of the American system. I mean... Yeah, if the American system is, but it's not even changing. It's not even like that in because it's this weird thing because high school students are allowed to earn money and were allowed to get endorsements and weren't allowed to. So we had this weird situation where in America, the most, the you know the the most prized you know uh, players were obviously NBA for basketball and second was high school then college. (laughs) Yeah, because you know. Most people who were really good in high school were just like, all right, we're just going to spend that one year in college that we're forced to and leave. We're not going to stick around in college. Why would we? Yeah. If we get injured in college and, like, lose everything, why would you? It's such a big risk. Exactly. Or, for whatever reason, have, like, a bad season. It happened to come, like, the second second year in college, right? Or third year in college. Yeah. Just for whatever reason, things don't go well and things and suddenly you know these things can be quite flighty and 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 the talent scouts go oh or maybe you didn't have it you know and but if you had at least if you got into the nba first like you'd be given a couple of seasons be like oh you're young you're getting there and if it didn't work out you probably still got two or three seasons at reasonable pay before that happened your minimum wage in the nba is 700k a year yeah. At the bare minimum, you're earning 700k a year. Yeah. If you're drafted. Yeah, and so if you get drafted, yeah, oh. you're gonna get given a few years. It's at that. hard to be drafted though. There's yeah. only two rounds. It's not like the it's not like the football draft where there's seven oh, yeah. rounds. Yeah, yeah. Good point. So it's it is more lucrative. It's also like you know, uh, it's it's more lucrative, but it's also because it's more exclusive. Yeah. yeah. And more difficult. So. It's there's no perfect system, absolutely. Um, but there's definitely issues with the college sports system. Like I've like I had this discussion with an American when I was uh, in Washington a few years ago, and we were just talking. He was a bartender, and he was like, "I reckon America's gonna one day win the World Cup." And I told him like, "There's no way America will win a World Cup with when your main league has, doesn't have relegation or promotion." And yeah. like, because you guys don't worry about, you know, if you're, uh, you guys don't know what it's like to die, you know, <laughs> lose everything, play for a third team that if you get relegated, you lose everything. You might not find another team in the top league again. You might have to play in a lower league and that, that loss of earnings and everything. So you don't live, you don't play with that fear. And so, you know, you, that, you know, uh, the, per, the, per, the, the high wire artist who doesn't have a net under him is more respected than the high wire artist who does. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, he kind of was like, and uh, the second part is that academies produce better athletes than the college system, and that's yeah. not where he got into it. But he, I think, in the end, he was like, okay, maybe you're right. But uh, yeah. but this is it. We're more to come on college sport. We definitely said there was going to be more to come when we. Uh, talked about this a few years ago and it's all playing out and we'll probably not know what's really going to happen for another five or six years and then it'll change again yeah exactly and now next up we can just we've also had a podcast about this 
But Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Epic match. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes becomes a two-time MVP and a two-time Super Bowl winner, probably a future Hall of Famer. Let's just ignore how they've been playing this season. <laughs> but can't take anything away from them. They're still in the play. They've made it to the playoffs, so that's uh, <laughs> that's that. Um, and once you're in the playoffs, anything's possible. But the Chiefs are proving more and more that you know, they're the team of the 2020s for the NFL. So we definitely should be uh, keeping an eye on them this season. Uh, Number eight, the Nuggets win the NBA. Um, One of the reasons I really want to focus on this one is the Nuggets have built a team. No soup, like other than joke, they didn't get any free agent superstars. Every superstar... This is Jamal Murray and Joker. Both are drafted. Both have developed together and they've just built with role players. This is not a super team, but it's a super team. And they could, I see this team potentially building a dynasty. The the Denver, if the Golden State Warriors were the team of the 2010s, the Denver Nuggets are probably my pick to be the team of the 2020s. Because, let's face it, the Phoenix Suns will never win the championship. <laughs> as much as it hurts me to say, this is the first, like the Denver Nuggets are the first team from the Mountain Conference to win. Not the Suns, not the Utah Jazz, two teams that have come so close <laughs> and have like a better postseason record. But it's the Denver Nuggets. Uh, so well done to them. Well done yeah. to Joker. Obviously the best player in the world. Yeah. Um, no question. Uh, number nine. This is, I don't know if this is a highlight or a low light, but come on, Borussia Dortmund choking on the last day of the Bundesliga. They just needed to draw. Yeah, it's just... My initial thought was, why, why Nuremberg? Why did you beat them? And then I thought, no, Nuremberg doesn't owe them a, a win. You know? Exactly. Borussia Dortmund has to go and grab that championship if they want to go if they want to lift the trophy and they didn't and obviously Bayern Munich won again um 11 in a row are there look Bayern's performances in Europe show they're a great great side and they um head and shoulders above every other team in Germany yeah we'll see how what happens this season hint hint I, it's not you can't predict the future but Never choosing are not going to win yeah. <laughs> the Bundesliga. That is all I predict. And um, I don't Look, know if Borussia Dortmund will either. No. Look, my kids have already called it that Bayern's going to win just because it's like it, Neverkirsten's not going to win. Like if They can't win, so they'll choke it as well. So. Yeah, that's pretty much how I think. Number 10, as much as it hurts me to say it, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. This was the year of the blonde striker, Manchester City. What a what a season they had. Yeah. It might be taken off them, <laughs> depending on how <laughs> things work out. But until that happens, they won the triple. Yeah. Can they have? If it gets taken off them, I will crack up laughing because that means Manchester United got an FA Cup as well out of it <laughs> last season. Okay. Thoroughly undeserved. Can they have last we, season taken off them? I thought that's outside the thing, or is it just still up for? 
up for grabs? Uh, I think it might be anything post 2010 for what right. they're... All which right. is why potentially they could lose the Aguero... Yeah, I knew they could they lose the Aguero! Which... which is like sad because I think that's like one of the great incredible moments of English football, like, you know... Yeah. It's, look, City won. I'm a United fan, but even I was like, "Oh, like yeah. that's incredible!" Like after this one, I was like, "Wow, like what an incredible thing that was when it happened." The um, Aguero moment means Fergie gets another <laughs> Premiership title. Um, yeah. Watford get to get an FA Cup. Um, so many things would happen there. Uh, there'd be a bunch for Liverpool, a bunch for uh, United again. Like Mourinho yeah. would have won one at United. <laughs> Solskjaer would have won two at United. <laughs> this just—it's so weird. It is. And obviously, Klopp would have won three, yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah. So, and Arsenal would have won last season. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but we don't know what's going to happen. We can laugh about potential outcomes, but I think Manchester City winning the uh, winning the treble that was incredible. The players, at least, they've got their trophies. They shouldn't be take that shouldn't be taken off them. No. They weren't part of the cheating, so I think this. Uh, yeah, basically everything post the Roberto Mancini era because he was being paid by a... Uh, allegedly being paid by an Abu Dhabi marketing company a million dollars a year to fly in there for one day and fly back. All right. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah, a bit crazy. Yeah, so a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah. That's, yeah, we need so, to get It's just... Yeah, it's not good. It's not. No. There's a lot of allegations against Manchester City. Anything is possible. We don't know what will happen. I'm not. And when I say that you get these trophies given to the, that might not even happen. They might just go. There is no champions. They're officially removed. But there's no champions for these years that they won. Yeah, no. Which is really champions. weird as well. Yeah. Huh? Be no official champions, right? Like, yeah. They do, we take the trophy off you, but we don't change the table. Like, so yes. they won, but they didn't win? Well, they didn't win, but they did win. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, nobody's happy with that. No. <laughs> Outcome. Uh, but yeah, I'll take any uh, extra with extra championships in this era of Manchester United uh, that they're willing to give me. <laughs> uh, now, finally, this might be the most important of all. I've, I had forgotten about this, maybe because I wanted to, but Real Madrid, or Real, Real Madrid and Barcelona, we should say, won their case against UEFA for the Super League, so they cannot stand in the way. Obviously, uh, Real Madrid not, can't force clubs to go, and I think it's become very... The Premier League clubs can't will not go. They've signed yeah. to extra regulations, so that if they do, the... The Premier League will literally uh, whip them. Um, the um, 
And the other Super League clubs, I don't know. The Italian clubs maybe would be looking to join. Um, I don't think the German clubs are looking to join. And maybe PSG, now that the World Cup in Qatar is already over, might be a bit more friendly to that offer. But once again, uh, one of the weird things about when they were forming the Super League is apparently when Fiorentino Perez push, pulled the button, pulled the trigger he was absolutely shocked that all six of the premier league clubs he called agreed to join him right yeah because he effectively thought why would they need to they're already in the super league like and if you think about it yeah sort of right like the premier league's earnings absolutely dwarf every other league in europe and look bournemouth are able to spend more money on players than any club in Europe other than PSG, Bayern Munich, and Real Madrid. That's it. That's it, yeah. Not not even Barcelona. Like, Barcelona, I don't care how many levers they think they have left. They can't compete financially with Bournemouth. No. And maybe that's also Barca's fault, not necessarily. Yeah. There's, there's a little <laughs> bit of Barca fault in there, right? I think, like... Yeah, definitely lots of Barca fault. But Real yeah. Madrid... Arguably the best-run club in the world, like yeah. no question. Bayern okay. Munich, arguably the second-best club run in the world. Yeah. Yep. To we we can probably very easily agree with that. Um, and number three, PSG, owned by Qatar. Okay. Yeah. Those are the three clubs that can compete with Bournemouth outside of the Premier League. <laughs> Which is just crazy. When it comes to money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and the whole thing is just crazy. So you sort of understood when you think about it from that way, you can understand why European clubs would want to form together. Um, you know, to try and bring some of that that parity. Um, because yeah, as you say, the EPL is basically its own Super League, as it is. Yeah, and need. And I specifically picked Bournemouth to just point out, like, Bournemouth were playing in the championship two seasons ago. Yeah. Just as a thing. And Bournemouth are not a big club in England. Like, they have a 10,000-people stadium or 15,000-people stadium yeah. now. Pretty small, yeah. That's it. The, But they maximize their revenue massively. This is why the... Uh, the billionaire who bought them, whose name escapes me, he's another American, was like, yeah, this is a bargain. $250 million to buy Bournemouth. I'd have to spend a billion to buy an MLS franchise. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, why would you ever buy an MLS franchise when you could own Bournemouth? Yeah, exactly. Like, this is why Tom Brady invest, uh, invested in Birmingham City. Like, you yeah. know, even a championship club is a better deal for you, bang for your buck, than yeah. a MLS club. The championship, I believe, is the fifth most lucrative league in Europe. I wouldn't be surprised with that. Well, maybe my surprise is that it's the fifth and not higher up, really. I know that yeah. the ones above it will be ones, you know, Bundesliga, big one. Bundesliga, La, La Liga, Liga, Syria. Uh, That's it. Like, it's bigger than League One, which yeah. nobody's surprised to hear that. No. And it's competing with Syria. Um, it might actually sense. be more lucrative than Syria, to be fair. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm if you take into account parachute payments, monies, and all that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was um, thinking. Like, 
I'm a little surprised not because those other ones like they'll have the top of their ones would be much more a lot of money thrown around but across the whole league like I guess it evens out the the top ends of those those leagues European leagues sort of drag it up enough that you get above but basically, like the championship is a big league yeah basically I think La Liga is up ahead of the championship purely because you know they get four um champions league spots every yeah. year so you know there's that their well. club something that exposure the top half the top bits of each of those leagues able to drag the average up high enough that uh well the total's up high enough to beat beat the championship yeah um but this is uh the situation in europe the super league for some form is potentially coming with uh, probably UEFA endorsement. I've seen things online. I don't know how real they are, quote unquote, mm. that the Super League will be two divisions potentially expanding to four based on coefficients. I'm just like, did they read my, did they listen to my podcast, our podcast? And just, why don't they just hire me? Yeah, come on. They're just following my idea. They should stop the, uh, just, just ripping us off and just, just, just hire us, man. Come yeah. on. But we know you're listening. That, yeah, but they're saying that the clubs will continue to play in their home leagues. This will just be another league they play in in the midweek. All right. And it'll be a... 10-person league or it'll be conferences and and there will be relegation promotion and blah 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 I'm just like okay I'll believe it when I see it and apparently um, performances in the Champions League and coefficients are what's going to depend on whether you get to continue in the uh, in the league or whether you get promoted into the league which I'm just like hmm that's also roughly what I used yeah yeah so uh, so while it's not fully a top-down pyramid, it's a parallel pyramid. So it would just be like another set of games. You just wouldn't be playing the Champions League anymore. You'd be playing in the Super League. All right. Whereas yeah. the Champions League would be the next of the best. So you're effectively making a fourth competition, but the fourth competition's an actual league rather than... Which is also not that different to the Swiss system, so I don't know what exactly they're proposing that makes it more different other than adding more games. Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, I think, looking here, there's a league, and then at the league stage, the knockout stage as well, and... Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, so, it sounds like a lot like the Champions League. What exactly are you proposing that's too different from... Yeah. The Champions League without the UK leagues? clubs yeah but you know they it's just difficult to understand what the goal would be without the UK clubs in your champions in your super league yeah yeah exactly people have a super most people follow a Premier League club and a lot of that is language uh, but a lot of that's also history and um, you know they took the best advantage of the 90s basically <laughs> when the internet came around yeah exactly and we're living in that the fruits of that era but 
Like, we'll probably know more. I mean, Real Madrid are not dropping the Super League. It's so it seems. No. Um, Barcelona need the Super League desperately. And I think if it comes around, um, Atletico are sitting there going, no, 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 no comment, no comment, no comment. So I think we know where they stand on the Super League. Yeah. Um, and probably the Italian clubs, once again, they're probably all keen to join because, you know, that's money that they desperately need. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, a league of Real, Barca, Atletico, and AC Milan, Inter, and Juventus, I'm like, yeah, it's cool, but mm, that's... What else have you got <laughs> at that point? You can't have a league with six teams. No. I mean, at least the original league. Super League with 12, you sit there going, that's a league. Like, that's a very competitive league as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is sort of suggest suggesting a 64 team. Like, it is the Champions League. That's what they're suggesting. Like, yes. Say, I don't know. Like, how is this? Other than the the Champions League, but if you have, like, the group stage longer and bigger. Yes. And the knockout stage. Which is basically, uh, basically a more expanded version of the Swiss model. Yeah. But, yeah. And we'll see if it ever really gets off the ground, I guess. I mean, the proof will be in uh, them actually doing it. Yeah, I mean, I can't put anything past Fiorentina Perez. He's one, he's probably the best, greatest ever club president that Real Madrid's ever had and maybe any club's ever had. And... He's obviously managed to accomplish a lot in his two, you know, spells as Real Madrid player president. So I wouldn't be surprised if we have something called a Super League at some point. I don't know how yeah. successful it'll be. Um, I, I don't know how it'll plan out, but something's coming. I can't say that there won't be a Super League. Like I can't, now, I'm just like there. There clearly is going to be a Super League. Like yeah. he's one of. You didn't go through all that court case stuff and win to not go through with it. That would be really weird. That would be really weird. Like, he's going to do something. Say, the, the question is who's going to be playing in it? And because he said it's going to be a. is to be a replacement to the Champions League. So. They're actually offering more money to clubs than what the clubs get from participating in the Champions League at some point. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that will be interesting to see. Like, the same. The Italian clubs would be interested, but if it's replacing just the Champions League, are they going to feel like they're going to get more money than currently? Because they're, you know, with especially with now the. Champions League and the Europa and the Conference League there, there's more European money and, and um, exposure happening. The whole extra set of, of games there, so... Is is the Super yeah. League going to offer more to Italian clubs, to German clubs, to French clubs, like, to the rest of Europe? Like, I guess Are there may be some sort of other than PSG. Other than PSG. Um... Yeah, and German clubs other than Bayern Munich, you know, or Borussia Dortmund. Are they just going to get the the teams that feel they're not going to be making regular 
Champions League and be like, eh, we'll go play in the Super League then instead. So, yeah, yeah. it's a really uh, weird situation. So, I mean, we did think I did think that they were gonna win their court case because the um, the whole. Uh, uh, illegal monopoly argument. Like I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That seems like an argument that'll win. Yeah. And because uh, football is a business at the end of the day, and they're rightfully claiming that this organization is preventing us from conducting our business fairly. Yeah. Um. And look, I'm not saying UEFA are angels. I'm not no. thinking that they're uh. Plenty of things are wrong with football right now, and UEFA clearly didn't learn from that Super League experience and still are not really solving the main issues with football. And I'll be blunt, I think both uh, UEFA and the Super League crowd are not uh, solving the main issues with football, which is football is freaking expensive. Yeah. And like... Um, unless your parents are like our level, we're, we're upper middle class. Yeah. Uh, they're, uh, they're, you're not going to be able to watch football at home. And, you know, if you're a kid, you're not going to the pub to watch football. Exactly. So where are you going to watch football? You're either going to pirate it, maybe, yeah. or, you know, watch Netflix. Watch something else, yeah. Or play video games. Yeah. Twitch. Well, you're gonna Twitch. get your, you're gonna get your entertainment. YouTube from Twitch is free. And YouTube, yeah. So that is you say like, that's esports. That's what people are gonna be watching, and that's what they care about because that's what they can watch. Yes, I mean, putting aside what other sports and live sports, live events they're watching, but you know, we've had this conversation. Football's competing for everything that takes your attention away. Yeah. Uh, for uh, recreationally, so Netflix, TV, video games, dare I say it, books. <laughs> no, it's and, still, still a thing, yeah. And all these other things that people can do with their free time. Yeah. Like, I know cricket's gonna be around because despite hundreds of hundreds of years of terrible administration, it's still around. Yeah. It's literally been done badly for 100 plus, 150 <laughs> plus years, and it's still around. Yeah, yeah you're very right. It's like, cricket can't die because if it was going to die, it would have done so It would so have died already. a long time ago. A long time ago. Like, the way it is run. We might be playing T6 or T2s, <laughs> but it'll be around in some form. And, you know, we're all just going to watch it in the background while playing video games or reading a book. That's how yeah. we all watch cricket. <laughs> Very true. So that's all. That's always going to be around, yeah. I think. This is, it spills that similar space as baseball. Um, but I think being so unaffordable for sports like basketball, football, NFL, rug, dare I say it, rugby, mm. um, and rugby league. That's a. That's uh, that's their number one thing. You want you want to know why kids are playing more basketball than football? It's cheaper to get an NBA pass than a Sky Sports subscription. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Just right there. It's easier to get a pirated stream of an NBA game 
let's just address the elephant in the room yeah. than it is to get a pirated stream of a rugby game. Yeah. Because nobody pirates rugby. <laughs> exactly. The other thing is going to whilst it's you know, a bit you know, we're talking about European football, it's priced out going to a game, but in New Zealand going to the Breakers game is cheaper and a more entertaining yes. than going to the Blues or going to you know the Auckland Rugby yeah. and NPC game. Like it is not entertaining going to those those games unless because it's maybe a semi final or final for the Blues, then it might start there. But like just a regular season Breakers game, even in a season where the Breakers aren't doing well, is so much more entertaining. There, and and there you get is so, so much, much more out of it. Parody. Yeah. There is so much parity in the NBL. Like, it's a league that's probably dying because of the NBA pass and the fact that the NBA is so much more available. Yeah. But the NBL is a good league to watch. Mm. The teams are all evenly matched. The, the rule set is designed to be entertaining. And as you say, like, the game's atmosphere is great. Like, going to Breakers games, going to Wildcats games, Kings games, you know, it's incredible. Yeah. Like you get, uh, you're not getting that at rugby games in a lot of places, and I, like you know, I don't. I hope it's not going to happen. But eventually, if uh, if Breakers games or NBL game, I don't know. Like, I think while the NBA is around, NBL games can't afford to price your punters out. No. So that's that. Um, I mean, the Breakers but, have done well at not pricing people out of sales. Yes. Like throughout their entire existence. I mean, I've been watching... I've watched live games when they were the worst of the worst, and I've watched live games when they were at their high, and I've watched live games more recently when they're good, but sometimes bad. You know, I don't go very often, but I do go. And they have made a big move of, of not pricing people out. Like, they didn't... They left the North Shore Events Centre moved pretty much all I don't think they play there anymore they're all at um, Spark Arena downtown because they didn't want to their main reason was that they didn't want to have to price people out like they sold out too quickly at the North Shore Events Center like this is our spiritual home but there's not enough seats like there's too many people so yeah. also why demand to is, from yeah. uh, Trust Arena yeah. in West Auckland yeah it was like supply and demand like either these become unaffordable because we're not adding capacity, or we add capacity, so we go to the bigger one. That's where we go. And we yeah. we move to where we can always have seats available, basically. It's their, yes. It seems to be their philosophy. It's like we want to not be priced reasonably and just add more capacity in so that people can always come to our games, which is a, a great way for them to be. And yeah. still makes the money, clearly, because they're a very profitable mm. site, and they yes. always have... You know, sell out home crowds just about. Like, there's always such a, a great them and the so Wildcats. Yeah. But yeah, like there's always the a, two a big, yeah, the two big teams. Team. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the there is a thing there. You want people to get into sport or get into what becoming sports fans. Or like, you got they got to be able to go watch these games, yeah. and if. And they're clearly playing basketball because it's easier to set up in high schools and like, mm. you know, until puberty, it's kind of even to yeah, play yeah. basketball. You can still get big kids uh, yeah. in your tweens and yeah. whatnot. But 
the basketball. Um, and, you know, because we've had the small ball revolution, people, you know, of all sizes kind of think they can be a basketball player yeah. growing up. Of some level. Of some level, yeah. Like, you can at least show off your basketball skills to impress girls <laughs> okay. on the street. You don't actually have, or guys, for that matter. Yeah. Um, but, you you know, if you're going to do, do that with rugby, you need to find at least seven other people. And probably that's not even enough, really. I mean, yes. I mean, and then you find can... another group of seven people to play against. Exactly. So you can do little fake, um, you know, um, sidestep around you someone can... with the handouts, but everybody just looks at you like, okay. What are, you, what are you doing? But, you know, if you're like, you know, you can by yourself, like, you know, be a shooter, do some middies. You can dunk. You're a stud. Yeah, exactly. But, you, know, you can do all of that by yourself. Yeah. Even, even just, you know, a step back, fade away shot, you know, lay up, oh, oh, straight yes. in. You're just like, yeah, and everybody be like, yeah, you're awesome. Yeah, and even if you just do a layup, right? Yeah. The simplest shot in basketball. It looks sort of cool. You can at least, you know, pray around and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just practicing my layups, practicing my thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you can look cool doing that. Yeah, exactly. You know? You can't look cool practicing your scrumming or rucking. <laughs> or even practicing your kicking, right? No, yeah. Place kicking. Yeah. Like, you know, that's the thing about soccer, uh, soccer football, because, you know, you can at least play kippy-uppies and, like, you know, yeah, yeah. do two little dribbles and just pass the ball along with your friends. And, like, you know, that's a, you can play that sort of stuff and... Uh, it's very difficult with sports like NFL, rugby, and rugby league to do that sort of uh, yeah. Aussie, maybe less Aussie rules because you can just have a kickabout uh, without the uh, without you know putting a lot of prep and effort into it. And by the way, nobody's impressed by your cricket skills because nobody in the world, other than maybe Don Bradman and Wasim Akram and Gary Sobers, has ever been good at cricket, right? Yeah, like those three. Yeah, no, I, I give like you those three. Completed the game, hmm? but yeah, I give you those three. Completed the game. They they yeah. clocked the game. Like everybody else, you're like, eh, are they good? Are they are they really that good? <laughs> Maybe W G Grace. Maybe yes. <laughs> but the uh, the the basketball is just such a basketball is just such an easy sport to do and like soccer mm. will obviously not die in that way because no. people are always going to kick a can around on the street or yeah. you know well, the thing do is, all that the thing is that especially say let's so this side of the world but in, in Europe what happens is that people just go find a, a so called smaller team right one they can afford to to yes. watch and support so which a little bit is, is why the English system works so well. There's, there's enough people keen on it that they just go, I can't afford to go watch Manchester United or City or yeah. Arsenal and or whoever. Like... So they, they find a team they can and they, they enjoy that. So, um... And there's something like 50 tiers in the English league system. So Yeah, once you and get over right down, eight, it's, it's over crazy. 8, yeah. There's over 8,000 registered football clubs. That's all you need to know. Yeah. So football, I'm not saying will die in the same way, but, you know, people can't relate to you. 
Um, oh, by the way, I will give another sporting low light just before we end. It also okay. happened on the day uh, on the New Year's Eve. Um, this is what this is related to this whole unrelatability and like losing touch with the fans. So the current owner of the Carolina Panthers literally filmed throwing a drink while he was at the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. So he's not even at his own stadium. He's a guest going to the owner's box at uh, the other stadium. There's a film of him throwing a drink at a Jaguars fan. What? That is crazy. Now, let's just put it out there. He's worth $20 billion. He's been fined $300,000. Yeah. And he didn't even apologize in his statement. He just said, I regret what I did. Which is not an apology, by no. the way. No, that's very much not an apology. I mean, that's uh, less of an apology than what normally, not in this... I mean, it's hard to roll this apology out in this circumstance, but the, I'm sorry you took offense, is uh, the normal sort of lines of a yeah. non-apology apology. And this is worse than yes. that. This is worse than that, because at least you can say, I'm deeply ashamed... I shouldn't have done what I did. I'm really sorry. Like, we can accept yeah. spur of the moment shit happens. He's still human, you know? That happens. Like, but to be blatantly like, no. Uh, so the NFL, and the NFL's own rules say owners have to be a standard above. Yeah. So what would happen to a fan if they threw a drink at somebody else? Don't matter what the other person may have said to them. All you know can see is they've thrown a drink at somebody. Security will drag them out. They don't mm -hmm. care what the other person said. No, they'll be dragging you if they, out. If they can prove the other person has said something objectionable, they'll take that guy out too. Yeah. But you're and, gonna be dragged out, and you will be banned for life. Yeah, exactly. From attending games in the uh, NFL. There's no question, right? What would happen to a player if they get, like, even when they make, like, an uh, egregious play on the field, they get fined 10% of their weekly earnings? Yeah. Like, you know, you're fining him $300,000. That's literally the equivalent of if you were worth a million dollars being paid 14 being fined $14. I would be, like, literally throwing drinks at everybody I hated if all it cost me was a $14 yeah. fine. You'd throw the drink. And then you just like count out for I'd just be like money, 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 more drinks, pot. Keep yeah. them coming, keep them coming. That's yeah. like basically the cost of a beer anyway at the sporting event. Is it the same? It just means my drinks are like top, double price. <laughs> Thank you, man. Like, okay. That, more money. This is legal, by the way. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and it's just a crazy thing to have happened and to think about. It's like, it's just. So. Yeah. The people at the top who own our sports teams or run our sports teams, basically, that's how it's hard not to believe, think that this is not just emblematic of the NFL, but, you know, every sport where your oh, teams are owned by billionaires. Yeah. Like, they're just not, like, not, nobody's as bad as this. I'm not saying that. No, no. But, you know, the whole losing touch and not understanding the you know uh, understanding the, uh, the their fans and what you know the and their concerns like really not giving a crap about it like it's hard to not feel that that's true across the board or really un like they're incapable of understanding because their lives are too different. Yeah, well, exactly. It's just something that doesn't really. 
The because like on like unironically, Fiorentina Perez goes, we should just make football shorter because people only pay attention for X amounts of time. And you go, have you tried making it cheaper? Yeah. To yeah, get about, people in? Yeah. How about cheaper? How about you don't make as much money? How about that? Yes. That, yeah, that, that's a novel idea. And we all know, uh, like, you and I are the last generation probably of people who are really going to pirate these expensive football games if we're go if we were uh gonna do it because we grew up having it affordable and then you know not affordable for a while and now we can afford it again because you know yeah we're grown-ups um but technically technically as you say we're we're upper middle class we're we're upper middle class whereas like if you are um not in that situation like there's no reason like if you're for a kid of somebody who doesn't have sky sports at home does only watches sports at the pub doesn't watch it at home why would their kids get into football or any sport yeah exactly just you know like i said you can watch lots of great shows on netflix for cheaper and you know maybe buy comics or books or play video games yeah, well, that's the thing. Is if you get to teenage, so when you're young, you just do whatever. Yeah, at primary school, they just do whatever. They'll kick a ball around it. Yes. And, and at lunchtime, and play football, and they may have heard of some names, so they'll that's who they're being. But it doesn't really register about what's happening or why or what's the story behind it. That's the sort yep. of thing that develops in teenage years. And in teenage years, if they can't watch it, they're not going to care. They're going to care about the things they can uh, engage with. And maybe if they're super good at football and they're being really good and things, then they'll have the chance to, you know, that becomes a, a thing they're engaging with and they'll find ways to, to engage with it more. But they're not super good. It was just a thing they did at lunchtime, kicking it around, and then yeah. suddenly something else comes along, you know, basketball comes along or else, you know, that's what they're going to be engaging with then. And if that happens to be esports, then they're going to start talking about that and they'll play Fortnite or they'll play Call of Duty or whatever happens to be or you know things, yeah. play a sport that's not on tv like handball or uh hacky sack yeah exactly so, i mean it depends a bit on the schools they're at and what what programs that's happening and and what's there that's what i mean it could be be anything but um yeah they're not going to be engaged in what they what they can consume from an entertainment yes. point of view is what they will be engaged in so they may do things at school, but they're not going to be engaged. It's not going to be a, something that then, once they left school, they're going to continue. The thing that they're engaging with, the entertainment they have access to, is what they will engage with once they left school. Once they actually have money, once they've got a job, and they can sink money into something, they're going to do it to what they were engaging in when they were a teenager. You know, what they were, what was happening at school, what was everybody talking about, that's the thing. If... They come from families that can't afford, you know, expensive Sky to watch rugby or football or whatever. That's not what they're going to be engaging with when they turn get into their twenties and have left school, or left university, and getting jobs and starting to be like, oh, we've got disposable income, we can put into. It. They're going to be putting it into whatever it was that they were engaging in, and that's what's going to be affordable for them. Yeah. Yeah, so they, 
There's a situation coming where people are going to be lucky if their sport is being pirated. Yeah, pretty much. Because at least that means you're relevant. Exactly. People are, people are willing to break the law to consume what you're producing. Exactly. And I know we've, we've in the past, discussed this as well. But there's always going to be pirating. Trying yes. to, to fight that is, is pointless. Um, you can make sure that it's it's not, you know, rampant such that you can't compete with it. But at the same point, there's no point spending time trying to to, to stamp it and out. You need to look at what the reasons are people are uh, are going yeah. there, and the reason will be 100% affordability. Yeah, and if or unavailability or unavailability, accessibility. Those are the two reasons. Look, ultimately, pirating your sport. Le, is not a negative it's only going to give you positives like in the end those people who are pirating were not going to be able to afford what you're offering or it wasn't available to them in the first place yeah. right so they weren't going to pay for it so you're not losing customers no B how many people do we know that started off pirating and then went and actually started paying for stuff because yeah. it got easier because you exactly. could afford it exactly and that's the the thing of it, right, is you look at it and go, why are they pirating this? It's currently, it's, they can't afford, uh, if it's affordability, you look at it and go, is it rampant? Therefore, we, we must have priced ourselves too high. We need to bring it down so that more people can engage in it. And that will take, that will push piracy down. And you'll make the money back just by having bigger numbers. Yeah. Or if it's accessibility, you need to look at it and go, well, there's an actual demand for that product. Maybe we should be providing that in, in our service. Yeah. And it's not like people aren't already using VPNs. Yeah, exactly. To avoid paying as much. And look, this is not just a sports problem. It is a streaming and other entertainment problem. And we can go into it. But that was like the low light I wanted to bring up. Because it's sort of related to the Super League thing. And... Yeah. how it really kind of personifies so much about what is wrong with sport. Yes. Um, a lot of sport. not Ironically, not cricket, because it doesn't make money. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the IPL. Yeah. Other than the BCCI, it doesn't make money. Yeah. But I think, uh, from a sporting perspective anyway... 2023 was an enjoyable year. I yes. definitely have lots of highlights, and like, you know, I don't. I feel like I'm no less enthusiastic about doing this podcast and following all the sports that I do. Even more sports I've added on since I've done this podcast. You know, 2023 has just kept that going. No, so definitely. hopefully you all have had a similar experience and, you know, enjoyed listening to us. And thanks, everyone, who has. Yes, definitely. Uh, and and we, I think that's all we have time for today. Um, thanks yeah. very much for listening. And as always, we'll see you next time. Catch you next time. Well, that is the end. Thanks for listening all the way through. If you liked what you heard, be even more. Find 642 Discord and a Buy Me A Coffee. Pretty sure it's Buy Me A Beer. Oh yeah, Buy Me A Beer on buymeacoffee.com. In both these places, you can talk to us. 
And we may even listen, especially if you do buy a said beer or coffee. I might still be confused. Yes, we're easily bribed. Oh, links are in the show notes below. Don't forget to like and subscribe. This is on YouTube.